Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast, the show where we talk about everything transportation. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. I'm Denver 7's own pedestrian advocate, Joseph Peters. Sometimes I walk to work, Jason. Sometimes I drive to work, and sometimes I take the RTV bus. You do. And what did you do today? I walked. You walked. Well, there you go. Beautiful You are, are living the pedestrian advocate life. Yes, sir. You are. <laughs> <laughs> While you're trying to dodge the scooters that are coming at you full bore. Oh, I've, I've gone on the offensive against scooters. Now when I see one coming, I throw my shoulder out and oh, see do if you? they'll go around me. <laughs> or knock them down. Yeah, exactly. And then find them. Well, I mean, there's already that federal lawsuit out there about these That's things. That's what I'm saying, man. It's my inner offensive lineman really coming to play. Where do you think the last place you would think of uh, would be a good place to crack open a beer? The last place? Yeah. like Is a, there a last place? A Chick-fil-A? Church? You know, something like that? No. Like a, 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 a landfill, maybe, or somewhere that's <laughs> otherwise unpleasant where the beer won't even make it better. How about sitting in the back of a police car? Eh. Well, that's where one guy opened his beer, in the back of a police car. It happened in Lincoln, Nebraska. Police found this drunk guy. He was on the street. He was trying to get to his brother's house, so they offered him a ride. It is then, in the backseat of the squad car, that officers heard that unmistakable sound of a can being opened. You know? That unmistakable sound. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he cracked open a hurricane malt liquor. Good st- I didn't even know they sold that in cans anymore. I thought that was just 40 ounces. I'd never heard of it. I've heard of several different types of malt liquor. I've even enjoyed several different types of malt liquor. But never hurricane. Really? Is hurricane really? a southern thing then? Because that was all I, I drank in college for really? like six months was hurricane malt liquor. No, I don't know. I um I, I probably haven't had malt liquor in like thirty years. We used to drink it in college because they said it had a higher alcohol content than regular beer. I think they lied to us. Probably. <laughs> but I was drinking that Schlitz and the uh and what Mickey's big isn't Mickey's big mouth, isn't that a malt liquor? I believe so. I love the Mickey's. Mm. Mickey's is great. Just really great. Well, anyway, they took this guy to the uh, Bridge Beho- Behavioral Health Treatment Center. That's right. They took him right back to rehab. <laughs> I mean, do not pass go. Do not go to your brother's house. Do not go to jail. Just go right to rehab. That's that's what, an involuntary admittance? <laughs> I like, guess so. Crack the beer open in the back of the squad car. Well, let's talk about this for real, though. This is bad police work if he was able to get the beer into the back of the squad car in the first well, place. Well, they probably didn't pat him down. They are just giving him a ride to his brother's that's house. That's what I'm saying. If he can get a beer into the car, what else can he get in the car? All right, then. <laughs> you go You go that way. Uh, Dateline, Ro- uh, North Royalton, Ohio. The North Royalton Police Department outside Cleveland. Been getting a lot of calls about coyotes running in the streets in that area. Coyotes can be, I've seen coyotes running across the street on my drive into work. Uh, usually it's just a quick little jog as they're uh, trolloping. I guess that's not really the right word, is it? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. Galloping? They're not really galloping. We well, I don't, yeah. Whatever, anyway, whatever it is that coyotes do. They've had so many calls at the North Royal, uh, Royalton, Ohio Police Department that they've had to put a message out to the residents saying, please don't call them if you see a coyote unless it's doing one of the following. Are you ready for this list? Carrying any product na- marked Acme. <laughs> Dropping anvils from hot air balloons. Posting signs such as detour or free bird seed. In possession of a giant magnet. Detonating TNT. In the possession of a catapult or on roller skates with rockets attached. That went exactly where I wanted it to go. Yeah, because all of those references obviously are from the Roadrunner cartoons featuring 
Wile E. Coyote, super genius. <laughs> That's the way he would always refer to himself. He does catch the Roadrunner in one of the episodes, super right? Super genius. Uh, no, he does not. Are you Maybe sure? Maybe at the very... No, I, I don't even think at the end. Maybe in the Roadrunner movie. No, I think that there's like one episode where he gets the Roadrunner, and then every other one he doesn't, but they like mix the one where he gets him in every so often so that it tricks you into thinking that it happens. I don't ever remember seeing that, and it was one of my favorite Saturday morning cartoons. And you know, kids these days, they're just not going to know the joy of Looney Tunes Saturday mornings. They're just not. They just... They're never gonna. Did you? Is that is that outside your wheelhouse too? Or oh no, what? I was all about Power Rangers. But let's be honest, mm. anything's better than Paw Patrol. Well, right now it's all about Sophia and Elena, for my girls. And, oh, the and Frozen ones? Uh, no, no, no. That's uh, that's Elsa and Anna. Yeah, I don't have kids. See, there I, you go. I, I, no, <laughs> Sophia is different. Uh, this is uh, uh, Princess Sophia, Sophia the first, and Elena of a- of uh, Avalor. Okay. Um. Even though at Disney World, <laughs> Drizella and uh, Aristea came up and said, because Jolene was dressed, my little one was dressed up as Elena, and she said, oh, funny, Elena of Avatar. <laughs> I was like, okay, we were laughing about that. I mean, they're never going to know the fun of Foghorn Leghorn. Come on, come on, come on, son. Or Yosemite Sam or any of those guys. Do you do any other Looney Tunes character? No, I don't. Just I, Foghorn? No, I, well, I don't even do him very good. The only one I do good that my girls like is uh, Kermit the Frog, and I'm not going to do that here either. Uh, any no- <laughs> I know how much you like sailing news. I do. So I have this sailing news bulletin for you. Uh, I can't remember if you actually like cruises or not. I don't like cruises. That's right. That's correct. Uh, would you take a trip, though, on the Titanic 2? I called it the Titanic. You did. Uh, I mean, it seems like it's destined for the same fate as Titanic 1, right? Well, no. The Blue Star Line, they are working on their half-billion-dollar replica of the original, and they really hope to have it going for their two-week maiden cruise in 2022, which would be 110 years after the original Titanic cruise. Which is brilliant. Which is, I mean, this is brilliant. They made a whole movie about the Titanic. People have been dying to ride on the Titanic. <laughs> they did. Literally. So, but but at the same time, it's like, do you really want to tempt fate that way? Doesn't it seem like a karmic trick to be like, Are you, you're going to build Titanic too? I'll show you another iceberg. Well, that's the thing. They're building it exactly like the original, with the exact original layout and the r- same rooms. And they're going to try to do with the period uh, pieces with uh, the furnitures and, and the silverware and all the, all but, the same majesty that you had in the first one, they're going to put in this one. But that's the point, right? This is my Titanic hot take. It never should have gone down in the first place. Well, no, it shouldn't have. Like, that's just it. We should still be riding around on Titanic 1. Titanic 2 is 120 years too late. But some idiot ship captain happened to not see a big iceberg in his path and took hundreds of people Well, it wasn't just the iceberg in his path. It was, was what he didn't see under the water that was the problem. So his lookout didn't see all the ice that was under that that just tip of the iceberg. That's why we have just the tip of the iceberg uh, phrase. But you see there's so much ice under mm-hmm. the water there, and that's what hit the boat. And, and then it went down. Now, they, they doomed it because they said it was unsinkable, and then it sank. Mm-hmm. But if they had hired a better crew, it never would have sank. If they actually sailed a little bit farther south, it probably wouldn't have sank. Exactly. You know, where you don't, where you don't have icebergs. This is why you don't make the blind man the lookout. <laughs> I don't think the man was blind. I don't <laughs> think so. Now, I imagine this new ship is going to have more lifeboats. 
obviously, right? Not if they I mean, built it to 1912 specifications. Well, they're <laughs> probably, yeah, but they're, they're going to be building it to these specifications. They're going to have way more safety features on this boat, like a better radio to call people, <laughs> right? They're probably going to have satellite phones. They're probably going to have satellite tracking. They're going to have all of that stuff, and I would think even if they did have the same amount of lifeboats, it's not going to be just women and children first. All you other suckers can just sit here and try to and freeze to death while you're while you're going down on the ship. Right, and there's plenty of doors to jump on too, so you don't really even have to worry about life. Maybe that's the thing they'll do is that instead of just regular wooden doors, they'll have detachable wooden doors that actually have floats on them, and then you can take the door off, float on the door, a la. Uh, what was it? What was what was uh, DiCaprio's I'm character's name? Jack. Name. Jack. What? Jack Jack's something. Him. And so you, maybe you can get a couple of Jacks out there floating on these doors instead of having the girl on the door and he's in the water trying to be brave and then freezing his tail off and then and then slipping into the ocean but, all the way to the uh, the depths. But wouldn't it be great if they didn't put any 2018 technology on this thing? Like that, let's just leave the GPS tracker out and the satellite phones and, and the fr- lifeboats and the radio for that matter. Like you can what, what was the old one with the dots? You can send some Morse code Morse back code. if there's a problem. No, I don't think so. I, this, look, this is going to be a much more technologically advanced boat, and or I should say ship, uh, than the original was. They're probably going to use less uh, uh, material because uh, it wasn't it wasn't just iron. I think I don't know if it was steel, iron. How they built it to try to become completely uh, uh, unsinkable, mm-hmm. but obviously they didn't do a very good job. Is there a casino? I don't know. I would imagine not. I would hope so. A I would 1912 hope not. themed casino. You could convince me to go on the Titanic with one of those. It might be fun. You know what they did have? I think they had a parlor room, but not a full casino, but a place where you could play cards and that sort of thing. And that's fair. I don't need row after row of slot machines. I just need somebody in like a 1912 suit dealing me cards and asking me hit or stay, sir. But you know when we were doing talking about this story on uh, the morning show the other day, uh, our our morning. Anchor Molly Hendrickson. She asked if we if we would either go on the Titanic two, an either or question, go on the Titanic two, or go on the first space flight out to space and then come back. I mean, that's not even a question, is it? I would go on the Titanic. Titanic two. Oh yeah, for, that, for that's me, three weeks. Like I mean, it's funny because uh, Hidalgo, Ray, you know, chimes in. She says, "I can swim. I can't fly." Right. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, that was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I can. But you know, then again, you're swimming in very cold water, so it's one of the few times she actually made a good point. <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely go on the Titanic two rather than go out into space. I mean, speaking of uh, of sailing, I'm going to be on a on a. The world's largest at this point, it's the world's largest cruise boat, and I think it still will be at that point in January. Beautiful. I will be on the world's largest cruise ship. We should coordinate so we're out of here at the same weekend, so we only have to take one week off the Driving You Crazy podcast. There you go. It's called the uh, Symphony of the Seas, and it's a Royal Caribbean ship uh, out of Miami. It will be an interesting, because we, we've been on smaller boats, mm-hmm. we've been on bigger boats, but nothing this large, and I just wanted to see what the experience would be like to be on something this large. And so, uh, there you go, I'll report back to all of that after we go in January. Yeah. So this week, I published a story, it's on the DenverChannel.com, uh, it's in the Driving You Crazy section, yeah, you have to look around a little bit for it, because, you know what, frankly, they took me off of the home page, off of the front page, I, I don't know why, I thought I had some really good content there, occasionally they put my story up there with the list of the other good stories, but, but they buried me, Joseph, they buried my Driving You Crazy section, 
uh, on the website there somewhere. So you have to search for it. So search traffic and then driving you crazy, and you can see my story. Or you can just go to Jason's Twitter page and click on whatever link he posted most recently. It's probably right there. Exactly right. Well, a viewer sent me a question about whether it's legal or not to drive with a pet in your lap. And he said it was, pardon the pun, a pet peeve of his, and wanted to know if people shouldn't be allowed to drive with a pet, usually a dog, on their lap. I saw that just yesterday. A couple uh, uh, people, when I was at the pickup line uh, at school, after school, and, you know, the people are coming. I'm volunteering at, at school for the pickup line. And people are driving with their dogs hanging out of the windows. So one person had a dog on their lap. So anyway, uh, the answer is that is it's not illegal to drive with a pet in your lap, at least in Colorado. Actually, in most of the country, it's not illegal to do that. The only state with an expressly written law against driving with a pet, maybe it's just a dog, but I think it's for any pet, on your lap is Hawaii. Good. That is the one. Now, there are other se- several other states, including New Jersey, Washington, and Nevada, that have a law that says your pet must be restrained if it's in the car. So that would prevent it, obviously, from being in your lap. Either you got to put it in a crate, or they have these harnesses, like a doggy harness and then a pet seatbelt, that the dog would have to be attached to. I did not know that was a thing. Yep, there are pet seatbelts. I am illegal. Our dog is an illegal. Well, no, he's not. Well, no, you're in Colorado. It's okay to drive with your pet untethered here in Colorado. Yeah, but we were doing it in Nevada too. Oh, a that's full year yeah. of untethered pets. There you go. Well, however, and there's always a however in life. That from my late great friend Reggie McDaniel. Even though there isn't an expressly written law against driving with your pet in 49 states, you still can be cited, according to most law enforcement officials, with distracted driving laws if the officer thinks the pet is actually making you drive unsafe. Okay, that's fair, right? And so they could still pull you over and give you a variety of different citations for being distracted while you're driving. Now, you've only seen dogs in laps, correct? For the most part, yes, because cats, they don't really like to drive. Correct. They like to just either lay on the floor, get on the floor, even in the carrier when I'm taking the cat to the vet or wherever. Yeah, they um, just... I want you to know, there was a not very brief period of my life where we did not have a cat carrier and we took my cats to the vet four different times and each time the cat was unrestrained milling about the cabin during the 20 minute trip to the veterinarian how was that terrible did it try to crawl on you or it get did on your feet? I mean, it was everywhere, man. Those cats—you cannot get a cat to sit still in a moving vehicle for 20 minutes. Typically, I see the cats getting. Uh, the problem with the cats is that they'll get under your feet. Yep. While you're trying to <laughs> apply the brake. Yep. And you're either going to squish the cat uh, or stop. I mean, just pick one. Yeah. No, you're going to squish the cat. Yeah. Just squish, squish the, the cat, cat or not stop. I yep. mean, you know, that's that's your choice. Now, I I did re- read in my research though that for uh, for my story that. There have been many crashes where people were distracted by their pets, like you were, in their car. Because <laughs> uh, it's not only dangerous for you, where you could get into a crash, but but if you do, it's especially dangerous for them. Because basically, they are unstrapped, and so they are a projectile like any other loose object in your car. And then they could get smashed against the windshield or against you or any other parts of the car. If you're getting into a crash, so that's not good for them, nor you. It's tough to be a cat. Or a dog unrestrained. I mean, yep. imagine having a 80-pound lab come at you come as you flying. get... flying? Yeah. yeah. No, not good. Not good. But it leads me to a tweet by your favorite person, Elon Musk. <laughs> he sent out uh, a tweet 
with just one simple word. Because what happened was someone sent Elon a tweet that said, can you put a dog mode on the Tesla Model 3 where the music plays and the AC is on with a display on the screen saying, I'm fine, my owner will be right back. Well, Elon read this, and he soon replied with the one single word, yes. And that makes the internet freak out. That he is now talking about including dog mode on the Tesla. They should have never let him have Twitter. Now, Tesla already sent out a temperature regulating feature to all their cars. They call it the cabin overheat feature. That happened back in June. Now, it's going to keep the cabin of the car under 104 degrees when it's parked out in the sun. What it does is it senses the temperature getting warmer in the car and then automatically kicks on some cooling inside the car. So, accidentally, if you leave a pet or, God forbid, a child in the car, it will just be hot, warm, really. I mean, 104 is pretty hot, but it's not 160, 180 deadly hot. Correct. Correct. Not fry an egg hot. No, not fry an egg or kill a kid or kill a pet hot, which is which is really good. Because I'm glad, I'm glad, glad you're going the negative route with killing things, and I'm well, just like, fry an egg, <laughs> bake some cookies. Like, <laughs> yeah, because, you know, if your cookies, if you leave cookies in your car, then, you know, that, that's one thing. Right. But if the, you leave your car, you know, out in the sun and your kid's in there, that's something completely right. different. The same thing that's happening to the cookie dough is what's happening to your child in the car. And then there's this, Joseph. We talked last week about the emotional support squirrel on the plane and how God. most airlines are going to go to a one-dog or one-cat policy. <laughs> well, we can now add Denver's local transit authority to the list of entities that are banning emotional support snakes and the like. Denver's RTD, they do the trains and the buses. They're tired of people bringing odd animals onto the trains, so they're now banning all animals except for certified service animals, which usually includes either one of two things. A support dog or a miniature horse. They say that miniature horses are part of the legitimate service animal list. And frankly, not enough miniature horses in Denver. No, I don't think so. No, not at all. Um, What I will say, this is such a first world problems thing, but what about the people who don't have vehicles but need to take their dogs to camp? How are they supposed to? Oh, you mean like doggy daycare? Yeah, like doggy babysitting, yeah. They have know. no way of getting there now. I guess not. So maybe they shouldn't have a pet. Hey, if you can't take your pet hey. to the what? Can you take your pet to the whatever? <laughs> no, it's well, always a cho- well, and that's what Wag is for, right? The uh, ride share of dog walkers, where you could just tap in an app and somebody comes to your house and they walk your dog for you. Are you going to be like Molly Hendrickson, who goes to let her dogs out of her apartment uh, after the morning show, and then she says uh, when she gets back here that uh, they've pooped everywhere? Every day. Every single day. That's terrible. Just last week, we talked about how bad congestion is getting across the country. And we've talked at length about how the explosive growth in Denver, and and we've talked about how that has really made traffic around here so much worse. Well, most of the time on the show here, we, we look to experts who can offer up their opinion about ways to solve the congestion problem. Because we're always looking for ways to get out of congestion, right? Well, in reality, since there's nothing we can do about it right now, there's really no no way out of the congestion, at least for the for the short term. Right. Just deal with it, buddy. Right. Pretty much, that's exactly the way I have now started to deal with congestion. I've just decided just to deal with it. 
Well, I thought it was a great idea to talk to somebody who has an interesting way to deal with traffic. I read this week an interesting opinion piece in the Colorado Sun. It was titled, My Commute to Denver Has Become an Automotive Conga Line, But I've Learned to Accept It. The piece was written by Tom Wood, and Tom is a freelance writer, photographer who lives in Morrison, Colorado. Tom is a 20-year veteran of the Evergreens Alpine Rescue Team, and he joins us now on the Driving You Crazy podcast. Hi, Tom. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going great. First, before we get to your opinion piece, I want to know about how your turtle got the name Batwing. <laughs> that would be my teenage children and their fascination with Batman. So <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. It's like, it's like my daughters wanted to name our cat Carlton Hankey Jr., and I don't know where they came up with that name, but hey, but we did not name the cat that. Yeah, you, you just roll with it. It's They're the ones taking care of it, theoretically, most of the time. Yeah. So uh, they get to name it. <laughs> theoretically is exactly right. All right, so in your uh, opinion piece in the Colorado Sun, you talk about how you spend around an hour in your car driving to and from work. Now, how's that commute changed for you, especially over the past few years? Yeah, um, I uh, just recently moved from uh, Conifer to Morrison, so I've been most of uh, the last 10 years or so I've been commuting from Conifer uh, down to uh, York and I-70, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, that that, that uh, exit to my work is gone now. They've removed that on-ramp. Uh, so, yeah, over the years, you know, when I first started commuting down here about 10 years ago or so, uh, you know, it was roughly 45, 50 minutes, you know, each day, each way. And, you know, whereas now, you know, it's often more than an hour. And then a couple times a month, it's more than that. And then if it snows, it's been maybe as long as three hours. Uh, depending on uh, what they do with 285 and, you know, how much ice there is. So, yeah, it's changed quite a bit over the years based on, uh, you know, how many folks uh, have moved to Colorado. So in your piece, uh, you really talk about the, the, the line that I guess I connected with most is that you say, so commuting Coloradans, here's my advice. Take it or drive away from it. Rejoice in your forced solitude. I think that's how I have become as well. I, I think I've done just about the same thing, just pretty much since there's nothing I can do about it, I just kind of chill out and, and just take it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for, for a lot of us, we don't have the luxury of picking when we can come to and from work because of our schedules. You know, so if you left at 4 in the morning, you know, no problem, you know, and you're done at 2, I guess that's not too bad either. But, um, you know, for a lot of us that end up starting our drive somewhere between 6.30 in the morning and eight, uh, you know, you're just stuck there. There's nothing you can do. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned in the piece, it used to pretty much drive me crazy. And I've just gotten to the point where after so many years of doing it and realizing that no matter how upset you get about it, it really doesn't change anything. Uh, you're just stuck dealing with it. And, you know, you can fume about it or, uh, you know, get an ulcer over it or whatever. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, because of the lives we lead, you know, we're stuck commuting, going to work. And, you know, you just kiss that, you know, 12, 15, 16 hours a week out, you know, down the drain. <laughs> you know, exactly. Maybe you're like me when in my earlier years I used to drive more aggressively. I, I used to think that everybody on the road was nowhere near as good of a driver as me. But now in my later, more wise years, I've, I guess I've become less aggressive. But I still think that no, no one on the road is as good of a driver as, as me. Is that <laughs> kind of how you feel as well? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's funny. My kids, they've learned all kinds of new words, you know, when they've actually come to work with me a few times. They okay. they learned some new words in the past, but it's gotten a little better for me. I just like I said, maybe you mellow out with age or you just resign yourself to the fate that you're stuck with and deal with it, you know, and you can take it as a positive or you could just 
go crazy about it, so I've decided to just roll with it. Now, you said you met, you moved from Conifer to Morrison, so I'm assuming that cut down your commute time quite a bit. And, and as much as you talk about acceptance in this piece and how it's allowed you to listen to more music and almost become meditative, let's be honest, a 20-minute commute is still better than an hour commute, right? Oh, yeah. Well, no, my, I didn't move that much closer. I'm actually still in Conifer. It's just okay. a Morrison mailing address. So I, I cut a whole five minutes off my commute. <laughs> gotcha. But the, but the question still but, stands, uh, right? The shorter commute is still the ideal. Oh, absolutely. You know, I would love to have all that time back that I have to lose, you know, every week. Because as I mentioned in the in the piece there, I'm not really good at multitasking. I can do one thing at a time, barely. And uh, so the idea of, like, trying to get work done on the commute or making uh, phone calls or doing texts or, you know, uh, spending out spreadsheets or something like that, like I see other folks doing next to me. Uh, you know, I'm just not capable of doing that. So I just kind of sit there and learn to relax a little bit, I guess. We're talking to freelance writer and photographer Tom Wood about his opinion piece in the Colorado Sun called My Commute to Denver Has Become an Automotive Conga Line, But I've Learned to Accept It. So in your piece, Tom, uh, I, I saw that you obsessed over traffic etiquette and that you would flip the bird to every Audi that you cut off. Now, my wife would hate to hear that because she is a huge fan of Audis. We don't own an Audi. We are, uh, you know, she would be an Audi wannabe, I guess. I've always heard that, though, as BMW drivers are the worst. <laughs> yeah, years ago, I had a friend of mine that uh, he said, you know, have you ever noticed when you're on the road and the people who seem to be the most aggressive or cutting in and out of traffic, they're always Audis. And for whatever reason, I just started paying attention at that point. And, uh yeah, it's not always Audis. That's a little bit of an overgeneralization, but uh, keep your eyes open and see what you think. <laughs> now, just from your observations, what do you think are the ways maybe to get out of this traffic mess? Obviously, you see the I-70 uh, construction that's going on right now, and it's affecting you directly trying to get to or from work. How how, how do you think we're going to be able to get out of this, if, if at all? Well, I think... Um, you know, nothing right now is going to change. It's actually going to get worse still before it gets better because we, we're still trying to play catch up with the, the population growth. So, you know, whatever solutions are enacted, they're still likely years away from actually benefiting us in any meaningful fashion. So, you know, the ideas I kind of threw out there are, you know, potentially making more affordable housing in Denver so that we don't have so many folks who actually not only commute from out of the city into Denver, but from other counties uh, into Denver, you know, which puts Denver pretty high on the list nationwide in terms of uh, commuters who work uh, in a city but have to commute from a whole different county to get there. Uh, so, you know, making uh, in Denver options for housing and getting more of those folks off the road would certainly help. Um, you know, cities like Seattle have looked at GPS uh, units installed in cars that track how much you drive to and from work each day and charging you accordingly. You know, it was a pilot program. They've been doing it in Singapore with great success, uh, but here it just wasn't very well uh, uh, accepted based on the privacy uh, invasion with GPSs and things like that of tracking where you go. Um, but, you know, we can keep doing more overpasses and more lanes, and what that usually ends up doing is just bringing more cars uh, alongside of the extra space. So uh, it's a complicated problem that I think that a lot of folks in Denver were surprised that we would have to deal with, you know, based on uh, the downturn that we had, especially in 2007 and eight with the economy, you know, another boom bust cycle. And uh, I think it was a surprise to everybody that we bounced back as quickly as we did. Well, and in the growth has been really astounding since then. But I, I kind of wanted to shift gears and talk to you about music a little bit because you talked about using that commute time to really 
appreciate albums and things of that nature. So are, are, what stands out to you? Like, what do you think is the best driving album out there? <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the day. It depends on the weather, uh, how, how much coffee I have with me, uh, how long I'm going to be sitting there. So, you know, some days it's nice to have some, you know, hard driving music to kind of keep your uh, pulse up enough so you stay awake. And then other days you really just need to be listening to Yanni or something and chilling out and <laughs> getting your Zen on, I guess. Some Zen fear on the pan flute. It would make the road <laughs> There safer. you go. <laughs> what, what, else are, what else do you like to listen to in the car? If, if, your, if your first answer isn't at least the Driving You Crazy podcast, I'm going to hang up the phone right now. <laughs> yep. Well, that's at the top of the list, of course. Of course. <laughs> so what else do you do to pass no, the time? Uh, you know, to be honest, I just kind of listen to music, and I just stare off into space and try not to get hit or hit somebody else. And, and that's one of the things that for me is – I don't know. I, I guess I had some good driving instructors in high school because um, I find I'm very paranoid about getting into car accidents to the point where even when I feel like I'm probably not even paying attention, I'm I'm still looking in my rear view and my side mirrors constantly. Um, you know, and I'm sure my, my kids are, I have two teenage drivers now and I'm sure they're tired of being lectured about the right way to drive in Denver uh, from their dad. But, uh, you know, I've, been pretty fortunate not had you know any serious accidents or tickets or anything like that in decades so um must be doing something mostly right well finally what what's your view of public transportation have you have you tried it do you overall generally like it not like it do you not find it more convenient or comfortable as as just driving yourself um i do uh we have uh, somebody in our office who for years was taking the bus from conifer and um you know his his uh commute was double mine each day uh, so at a minimum, it was an hour and a half for him by the time he made his way into the office after taking uh, RTD down. But, uh, for me, uh, since I am a member of the Alpine rescue team, I do carry all of my rescue gear with me in my vehicle. So public transportation for me is really not much of an option unless I'm willing to carry around a 60 pound backpack every day to work with me with all my gear in it. Um, so for me, I'm kind of locked into private transportation based on, you know, my response times and all of that for stuff that goes on in the mountains. Well, thanks again for doing that and uh, for your service with helping out people who might be stranded or Absolutely. or hurt up there in the mountains. Because uh, that is that is some tough work, and I've seen you folks do that work, and it's uh, it's uh, it's a lot to take on. Yeah, it's it's a great time. It's a good experience, and it's great working with so many wonderful people. And the only thing is, is I get to deal with ski traffic when we go to rescues now <laughs> instead of <laughs> you know commute traffic. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, ski traffic is right around the corner for us. Tom, thanks for being with us here on the Driving You Crazy podcast. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. That was Tom Wood, freelance writer and photographer who wrote an opinion piece in the Colorado Sun about his commute and how he is coping with it. Um, now that I'm getting closer and closer to 50, I feel like I am becoming more and more resolved, just like Tom, that there's really nothing I can do. I mean, you know, we've, we, we had a debate yesterday with the two governor candidates about transportation and a couple of ballot issues on the, uh, legis- on the, uh, on the state ballot this year about how we're going to get some more transportation funding. And uh, none of that really is, is going to me now because I've already voted. Yep. Uh, it's already over. But I just realized it's just going to take me longer to get around than it used to and, and just deal with it. Just well, take it. And what you and Tom had in common is that neither one of you has, like, this long history of car crashes. I have. Oh, yeah. And so, <laughs> right. for me, like, I think what I've noticed about people who have been in a number of crashes is that nothing mellows you out as a driver quite the way as getting into an accident and watching kind of how it happens, you know? I, I think 
I, the maturation process that you describe of being like, oh, this is just going to happen. Let's go with the flow. Happened to me when I was 26. Because uh. it was just like, oh, nope, can't, can't do that anymore. <laughs> like, better chill out out here. And finally, Joseph, today, did you hear about the couple who visited all six Disney parks in the United States in one day? I did. I have thoughts. All right. You first. Well, just, just to get our listeners caught up on what happened, there were these two people that went to four Disney parks in Orlando and two in Anaheim. Um, they did have to fly from Florida to California in between. Now, the couple is from Tennessee. They obviously love all things Disney. And they first flew to Orlando one night. The first thing in the morning, they get over to Hollywood Studios. And then they were the first people to let get let into the park when it opened for breakfast at 7 a.m. About two hours later, they went to Epcot. By 10.30, they were at the Magic Kingdom. And then they, um, after drinking apple cider over at Gaston's Tavern, I love Gaston. <laughs> Big fan of the old Gaston. They had lunch over there at the Animal Kingdom. And then they split from there right over to the Orlando International Airport. The plane took off from Florida, touched down in L.A. about 6.45, and that after navigating rush hour traffic over to uh, California Adventure and Disneyland, they're all right next to each other. You just have to run from one side to to the other side over across this promenade area, I guess. And so it was about 11.30 that night that they said they sat down on a bench on the main street there in Disneyland, and just they said they soaked it all in. They couldn't believe they actually visited all six parks, not really seeing everything, obviously. Nor anything. But they touched down, touched feet in all six Disney parks in one day. I don't, I don't recall hearing this being done before, uh, nor maybe again, but thoughts. First, they don't have kids. Could you do this with kids? Because no. it feels like only kids would appreciate this. You cannot do this with kids. Okay. So that's one. They don't have kids. They're just some old people that like Disney. Well, you could do it maybe with older kids, teenagers that could handle that rigorous move, 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 go, go, go schedule uh, and then do the travel and all that going across the country. Well, and so that's my second point, right? We just talked to a guy who talked about how you find serenity in moving slower and like really embracing the moment and savoring it and things like that. And that's what we're not doing here. You go, to, you go to four parks in a span of five hours in Orlando, and there's travel in between the parks, so you're spending in a maximum 45 minutes in each park. What are you going to see in Epcot that's 45 minutes? There are lines at Epcot that are yes. longer than 45 minutes. Oh, definitely. So you're not really in experiencing the park. You know, you hear the headline that you're visiting all six Disney parks in one day, and that is on its face true, but are you experiencing all six Disney parks in one day? Are you making any memory, really, that's, like, connected to the Disney? No, you're, you're making the memory out of your own crazy experiential trip. Exactly. And I give them credit for that, but there's, I don't think that's something that we should be aspiring to necessarily. I'm interested, and I didn't read it anywhere, about how much they spent doing it. Because I know you can buy individual, you, uh, you buy individual tickets to each individual park, um, and you can get a package deal where you get, le- like, the park, park hopper. So you can go from one to the next to the next. Um, I think it was a hundred. It's a hundred dollars for a regular park ticket, and I think it's a hundred and thirty or fifty for a park hopper. So maybe they only had to buy a pair of park hoppers, one for California and one for Florida, and so it maybe cost them six hundred dollars in park tickets for one day. Six hundred dollars. I know it's an absurd amount, and you wonder like how much stress there was in the middle of it. Yeah, and I question if that's worth it. Like, you think if they're if they're theoretically taking shuttles between parks, 
yes. plausible. Um, or the monorail between uh, Epcot and Magic Kingdom. I don't know if you can get to the... You can't go, I don't think, from Universal over there. Right. But I don't know about Animal Kingdom. But so what I'm saying is, like, it's not fun to get stressed about the monorail no, not right. being there on time. And so imagine if the monorail is five minutes late and you're on this really tight schedule and you got to go, got to go, got to go. I mean, the sniping is going to happen, and that's not fun in the moment. Like no. Nobody enjoys that. And you know what was interesting? I was reading also accounts that people were were reading about what was happening online and, and, and following some news accounts because there were some news stations that get, got wind of what they were doing. And so there were people actually stopping them at these parks saying, hey, I recognize you from this social media post. And then Disney people, the marketing people, actually stopped them and did a little interview and did a thing with them. Um, about this whole thing, and uh, it's, it's a just, social media thing, right? I mean, you're doing yeah. it for the gram. So when you when that was the funniest thing you said, Jason. You're like news stations got wind of it, got wind <laughs> of it. I wonder who gave them the wind yeah, of it. You're right. Like you're it's exactly not like, right. It's like they're reading the colors of the wind over there. They, yeah. you know who gave them the information. By the way, as as I was reading this, uh, I was reflecting back on my time recently there at the Magic Kingdom, and I think there are way too many adults that go to these parks. That don't have kids, usually millennial kid, you know, people, right? Somewhere in their 20s, these people are going to the parks without children to do all these children-related activities. Mm-hmm. There, there is a certain age where you shouldn't dress up like Snow White, first of all. And, I, and, I, and there's also a certain age where you shouldn't sit down at a kid's table and, and color papers um, because you think it's fun. Let the kids do that, and you go ride Magic, uh, the uh, uh, Space Mountain. Go get in line for Space Mountain and then and leave the kid things for the kid. Like waiting in line to go get a picture with Gaston or with Cinderella or Snow White or whatever the case may be. I, I, I You're on the fence on that one. I am on the fence because I'm have a lot. I'm, I'm a millennial. I have a lot of friends that love Disney. My wife and I were just talking about, you know, we get free tickets to Disney through ABC. And so it's like we should go visit Disney because we liked it as kids too. And I get all that. But at the same time, to your point, be an adult, man. There's something to be said for, like, millennial culture being too ingrained in acting like a child. Like, the onset of pajamas all day. Yeah. And the fact that video games all day are a thing. I don't know, man. I'm not totally comfortable with it either. And I, I tend to agree with you that if you're a couple and you're you're going to Disney World for five days for your own pleasure. Yes. You need to be reevaluating, like, what you're sense of pleasure is in life one time spring break daytona beach uh me and uh, i don't know it was a group of about four five maybe five or six of us we drove to orlando we went to epcot because epcot is more uh you know we're college kids but i think epcot is more geared towards adult activities because they have all the different countries and you can actually eat and drink and and at these different countries and, and then it is for kids um, Epcot does have some rides and some cool things, but really the the list, you know, all those the the whatever of nations they call it, or I don't even what they what they call but, it. It's more adult oriented, and that's just it. The nations, that's a place where you can go and you can you like grab booze from every yes. single country in the world. Yeah, and that's a, that's fun. That it, that does make sense for an adult to be doing, but you yes. can also kind of do that in Denver too. We didn't even get today to the uh, opening of the world's longest bridge that happened this week. Only in China could they actually build this huge long. 
bridge, and they spent I don't know ten or fifteen billion dollars or something crazy. Way on it. over budget. You, you saw that, I'm sure. This Just thing a went huge way bridge. over budget. Thirty something five miles long. Thirty four. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Well, uh, and, it, and there are pull-offs. You know what I mean? It looks like one of our the highways in New Jersey or something like that, where you can, there's stops periodically with food and things like that and gasoline. So it's not like anybody's going <laughs> to get stopped cold on this bridge. Uh, but only in China do you need it. Right, like there's no there's there's no use for this bridge in America. Well, I I can't imagine there's a place long enough. I mean, maybe from the Keys, we have kind of a bridge like that from the Keys going into the mainland, Florida. Right. Uh, but it would be like let's say building a bridge between Pensacola and Tampa. Uh, there's no it's right. All really nobody is asking for that bridge. No, there's no. nobody asking to connect Savannah to Jacksonville via a bridge. False. All those Jaguars fans in Savannah. Oh, very, really? They want, they, they, they want to drive on the bridge? Yep. Sure they do. That was the closest zoo to Savannah, too, actually, was Jacksonville. We made many a day trip to Jacksonville in my Savannah days. I do miss some Brunswick stew, though. Yes, I do miss some Brunswick stew. Anyway, that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, we have some uh, interesting stuff for next week as well here on the old Driving You Crazy podcast, so stay tuned for that. And uh, until then, I'm Jason Liv, the traffic guy. I'm adult behavior advocate Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.